There's something that has been coming up a lot for me in conversations and strategies with clients recently, and we are talking about it in today's episode. That thing is collaborations, whether it's something small like an email exchange or even just an Instagram live, or it's something really big like an event. These collaborations can have a big impact on your brand, your positioning, how you grow your audience. And today I'm talking with Sydney Ledden, and we are diving into what it looks like to build a profitable collaboration. What I love about this conversation is that I think it has takeaways for everyone, whether you're a micro business or you're a bigger brand with a sizable following, I think you're going to walk away with some pretty good ideas. So let's dive in. And then I'd love to hear what you think about the episode. You can find me at sunny.logsden on Instagram or Sunny Logsden over on LinkedIn. Hi, welcome to Marketer for Hire. I'm your host, Sunny Logsden, and I understand that not all business owners have a marketing background. That's why I'm here, to provide tips and advice on how to build the right team to unlock your business's full potential without wasting precious time and money. Each week, we'll break down complex marketing concepts into easy to understand pieces so that you can delegate confidently. Whether you're a business owner with a marketer on your team or you're just beginning the journey of hiring a marketer, I'm passionate about helping you maximize success. So if you're looking for ways to get the most out of your marketing budget, reduce frustration from lack of results, and provide clear strategic marketing direction to your team, this show is for you. Hi, Sydney. Welcome to Marketer for Hire. I am so excited to have you here. Of course. And thanks for having me. I have been following many of your episodes in the past, so it's fun to be a guest. So, Sydney, we have similar backgrounds. We both came from the corporate world, moved to small towns. We both have our own businesses and we both help with strategy. And so I am excited to have this conversation about collaborations and talking about how brands that are small, how larger companies can really use collaborations to get in front of their audiences. So tell me a little bit about when you are working with a client and you feel like it would be a good part of their marketing strategy to do a collaboration. What is it that you look for in the collaboration partners? Sure. So it depends a little bit on where they are in the life cycle of their business. But the reason I love collaboration so much is that beyond it being supportive in getting more exposure and generating awareness, as well as like helping you with time and energy and often marketing costs, is I think it's an incredible tool for brand positioning. So I think it can be helpful at any stage, but I find the smaller businesses that are sort of establishing themselves, even businesses that are launching, I like to do collaborations a lot for launch strategies because it can really help with that initial brand positioning based on being really strategic of who you're collaborating with. So I have some examples that I can share as we keep going, but one example that a lot of people see is product collaborations. So say you're launching a new product or you're a new business launching your product, you could 
collaborate with other businesses to help you with your positioning. So I worked for a wine company back in the day, and we did a collaboration with a sort of fashion influencer to launch a specific label of a rosé. And what helped is we wanted to get into more lifestyle outlets as far as our exposure and really wanted to be able to get like bigger reach outside of just like geeky wine world, like really wanted to access people who were going to be the consumers of this product. And so it allowed us to have access to that audience, but also position this product and the company I was working with as a company that creates cool wine products for millennials because the collaborator was hip into fashion. Everything was really pink and really cute and their audience was the target audience. And so when we launched, we were able to access like fashion magazines and do fun stuff on Instagram and really identify the company and the product and position it in that way. So I really love it for brand positioning So that's one reason to use it. I think it can be great for PR, for giving you something to talk about that's a little bit newsworthy other than just, oh, we're launching a new product or launching a new service. It's like, how are you working with another business or another person? So that can be really Mm -hmm. helpful for exposure Mm -hmm. and awareness. And it can definitely help bringing in new customers and new leads as well. So I would say it's particularly helpful in the sort of early growth stages, but it can be just as powerful for when you need to do something new and different. But positioning is a big factor. Yeah, I love that. I love the idea of using it to position yourself a little bit differently. Because if you're a wine company, if you're a wine brand, and you want to be a little bit more hip, a little bit cooler, you don't want to be seen as stuffy, then you position yourself that way by finding a partner who appeals to that crowd and who has that uh, brand personality. So yeah, I think that's a really good thing for people listening to think about is how do I want to be seen and who is it that can help me be seen that way? So that is a great maybe first qualification as you're thinking about who to choose. Another one I like to think about is size. And so if you are a new company just starting out, a lot of times you know, I'll have people say, oh, I want to target you know this person who has a kajillion followers. Well, Of course we do, because that would be amazing to get in front of their audience, right? Mm -hmm. But typically, someone who is extremely established and has an extremely big audience, they really want the same thing. Either you have to have a really unique offering or you have to have a large audience so that it's an even exchange. Mm -hmm. So how do you advise your clients when it comes to size and longevity of the brand, awareness of the brand? How do you help them to up-level themselves without maybe overshooting it and going for a collaboration that is out of their reach? I think there's so much value in small-scale collaborations, too, and working with people who or other brands that are maybe just a tad above you or who, honestly, who are also starting out. You can see this in a lot of places, but even in local businesses, you know, working with other brick and mortar businesses to collaborate together or working with another service provider or um, another newer business. I think there's still tons of value in that because at the end of the day, it's kind of two are better than one in this regard. I see a lot of 
service and event collaborations being successful in this way. And so I'll make recommendations for that as well. So when you're looking at who to collaborate with, I think it's good to go for sort of a a reach. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think it's all about pitching your brand and it goes really comes down to building a relationship with that person. Yes, you can like start off the bat of the conversation saying, hey, I want to do something. But I found that these things typically take a bit of time. And so it's about approaching another person or another brand with that ethos of, I want to build a relationship. I've done my research. I've looked into what your brand does. I think our audiences are similar or that your audience would resonate with my product or service or event because of XYZ and being really thoughtful of how you approach them, even if it is a bit of a reach, but also knowing that it may not be a yes right off the bat. It's let's have coffee. Let's have a conversation. Let me get to know you a little bit better and explain what I want to do. And it depends on the level of collaboration. You know, sometimes things like social media giveaway, which is totally a collaboration, could be an easier turnaround, for example. But that's, again, something where you probably want to look at people who, if you have 5,000 followers, reaching out to someone who has 100,000 is going to be quite a stretch. But looking at someone else who has a similar following as you, or honestly, even a little bit less, is totally fine and I think can be super powerful. Depends on is their audience engaged? What type of audience do they have? Is there going to be good crossover for what you offer? Yeah, I agree. And I like that idea of, you know, starting with somebody maybe who's just a little bit bigger than you, or like you said, it can be smaller, but it's kind of a stair-stepping. And the more small audiences that you get in front of, the bigger your audience is. And actually, I think something we've really seen with big brands is that even the really big brands, of course, it's all relative, right? So when they go for a quote-unquote smaller collaborator, you know, they're still going for somebody that probably has, you know, at least five million But it's interesting because I think even the big brands have realized that the smaller audiences, people and brands who have smaller audiences, they're more dedicated and therefore there's actually better penetration when you go for the smaller audiences. So when you think about building a relationship with a potential collaborator, where do you suggest starting? I mean, it's really easy if it's somebody else who is maybe smaller and maybe they're local and you can just go have a coffee with them, right? But in this online world, we have a lot of messages coming to us. Mm -hmm. And so what are maybe the micro steps that you would suggest to get in front of that person, you know, build a relationship versus just cold pitching them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to cold pitch in a way in some sense, and that's start initiating a conversation. And It could be direct messaging them on Instagram. It could be emailing them. It could be, uh, if you can, get an introduction if you know someone who could make a slight introduction. But I would say start the conversation in a human way. You know, don't just right off the bat be like, this is what I want to do and this is why it's going to be great. And, you know, it started off as like, I've done my research or I admire what you do or I see you guys are um, doing more products like this, or I've really admired the last thing you did or the last article you wrote or the last service you offered, you know, starting the conversation in a way that recognizes that you pay attention to either who they are, if they're a service provider or what they do as, as a brand. And 
like anything, you know, the power we have of the internet right now is there's there's ways to get in contact with people through social media, through email, and through LinkedIn, through connections. So I think it's whichever way that you can connect with someone, do that. But for sort of smaller and mid-sized people, it tends to be a little bit easier to access just because there aren't mm-hmm. massive teens and barriers to entry. But but even so, it's getting an email or starting a conversation on social media is totally doable. But then being respectful of like, hey, would you want to hop on the phone? Or um, if it is on social media, would it be easier if I send you more information through an email, maybe as like midway through the conversation or, or a few a few steps down. Yeah. I like what you said about just being human about it. One of the things that I've found to be true is that even people with very large followings, if they are the face of the brand, typically, you know, if it's corporate, that's a different situation. But if you're working with, let's say, if you are targeting a well-known health provider who's an author and a speaker and has a really big following, if they are the face of the brand, typically they actually are monitoring their social channels to Mm -hmm. some extent. Mm -hmm. And so even if they do have someone that on the back end is doing their posting and doing, you know, a lot of the work, if you're commenting and you are truly being complimentary and like you were saying, you are referring to something specific that they did recently, chances are that they are going to notice that, oh, hey, this person is really a fan. This person shows up for me. They're commenting. They're DMing. And so to start out in showing appreciation for the brand, which should be sincere, I never want somebody to false flatter, but it should be sincere because if it's somebody that you want to collaborate with, then you probably do love the things that they're doing. You probably do love their brand. And so just really letting them know that and showing that you've been interested for a little while, I think goes a long way before we actually go in for the pitch. Yeah. And even if they say no, you can ask them, oh, do you know of anybody else? Or um, thank you so much. And they probably give you a reason why. So you can put that in your back pocket and think about like, okay, maybe I need to revise who I'm reaching out to, or this wasn't the right fit because of whatever reason they gave you. And I would say for social media specifically too, it's you don't need to like write a book. I think keep it chatty and conversational. And when it gets to the point of in the conversation where it makes sense saying, hey, would it be just easier if I send this to you via email? Or or if they're like, yeah, I'm totally interested. Be like, okay, great. I'll send you via email so it doesn't get lost in this chain of DMs or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Yeah, move it off the social. Let's get into the email box where it's a little bit easier to find. Mm. Yeah, that's a great tip. And I like what you said too about, you know, even if it's a no, we don't need to be dissuaded by that. We can learn from it. And then, you know, we can always come back again later when things look a little bit different for our company or we have something different to pitch them. And I also like the idea of maybe stair-stepping down a little bit. So, you know, you start with your reach, that person says no, and then you can see who else is in their world that might be a really good target collaborator. Because a lot of times, those bigger people have the people that are just steps under them following them for inspiration and to see what's happening in their business. And so really looking at who is interacting with them can also be a good way to find collaborators that are still in the same space as that original person that you wanted. Mm-hmm, totally. What are some of the best ways that you have found to promote collaborations? And I know this is a broad question because truly, like you said, a collaboration can be anything from 
It can be something really simple like an email swap. It can be, you know, co-posting. It can be going live on an Instagram to a giant event where you are both working together to throw the event to your audiences, bring them in person, bring in partners. I mean, it can go big. It can go small. So I know that it's a really broad question just to ask about how to promote. But do you have any just kind of basics that work across the board? Yeah, I th- I think the biggest thing is looking at what your strengths are as far as your marketing channels are, and then either asking them or maybe you kind of have a sense of what some of their stronger marketing channels are. You know, if it's social media, you probably have a good sense by looking at what it is, Um, or maybe you subscribe to their emails so you have a sense that they send really great emails. But I do think there needs to be somewhat of um, an exchange it shouldn't be so one-sided on one partner or the other. And that doesn't mean it has to be the exact same thing on both sides. You know, if you decide that the person you're collaborating with isn't going to send an email blast to their audience because of whatever reason that you guys have decided on, they need to do something else or there's probably needs to be another reason or channel that they are promoting it on. But I mean, in general, it's great to do things on similar channels, just like you would launch something on your own. You want to hit all the platforms. You want to announce it to your email list. You want to announce it social media. You, if you have, you know, a YouTube channel or what, whatever you use, put it on your website. So I would say try to hit all those points on both sides and or leverage, you know, whatever the strengths are on either side. So for promoting it, you know, maybe one partner has a stronger email list and the other partner has a stronger social media. So then you can kind of divvy it up that way. And then Mm -hmm. this is less about marketing, but more about the development. I would say in the creative assets too, and a thing that I've always found really helpful if I'm the one initiating the collaboration is to say, oh, you know, my team or we can help support creating maybe the graphic assets for it or the video for it or you know, let's record a Zoom or record a video, but we'll edit it, you know, making it an easier yes for them by, because you're the one initiating it, saying like, we can kind of, we can carry the weight for some of the development of the creative pieces for it. And the the nice thing about when you do that is you have control over what it looks like a little bit better. Always review things together and share it with the brand you're collaborating with of like, okay, here's the schedule that we're going to share and post. Like, did these things look good? Both sides need to be agreed and checked off on it. But in a way, it's really nice because you can control the creative execution and therefore control a little bit more of the way the marketing is going to be portrayed. So I like to think about it in that way too. But at the end of the day, and I've had collaborations happen where they faltered a little bit because maybe one of the partners didn't carry as much weight or they promised to do something and they didn't deliver. And, you know, that happens not all the time, but it's a learning experience. But usually you start the conversation or you initiate it once you've both agreed to do it with uh, agreement on, okay, what kind of deliverables is each side going to have as far as the marketing goes? Yeah. And speaking of determining whether or not a collaboration was a success, what are some KPIs that you encourage people to look at to determine if it was a success? Again, it kind of depends on what the collaboration is. If it's an event, it could be 
about certainly how many people were there. It could be sales related. It could be, I don't know, was it picked up in local news if PR was part of your strategy? If it's a lead generator, say you create a workshop or a freebie with someone or you do like a webinar, it might be how many email signups did we get or how many shares did we get of this? You know, literally the number of leads that came in. If it's something that is a product, you know, it's probably going to be sales related and probably a little bit of awareness related. So how many eyeballs did we get on this? What kind of exposure to different audiences did we get on this? So yeah, it it depends in what vein um, the collaboration is, but I think all of those are good things. Again, brand positioning is a great one and that's not always the easiest to measure, but you can look at things anecdotally like where was this shared? Did our audience change? If if people start following you or you got your, if you're getting leads from something, are they coming from different places? Are mm-hmm. they coming from, you know, a market or an age group that we want to expand into? So, so that can be kind of cool to look at too. It doesn't always have to be these cut and dry numbers. It can be other metrics that you decide are relevant, just like any sort of organic marketing strategy. Not everything is totally measurable numerically. Right. Well, we were just talking as we record this, the Super Bowl was last weekend, and I was just having a conversation this morning about, I think it was $30 million per second for the ads. And, you know, with that type of traditional advertising, you really don't know what you're getting for it. You know, is it brand awareness? Are people deciding that they're going to, you know, now switch to Budweiser because the cute dog was kissing the horse? You know, what what did you actually get? And I think that is important to remember in this day of, you know, digital measurement, it is very easy to measure so much of what we do. And we forget that sometimes getting in front of that new audience might not be measurable in the same way that your Google ad is. But it's really important to do that and to know what your goal is going in. And I guess that's usually my biggest takeaway is we have to go into these collaborations or really anything that we're doing, any part of your strategy, and know what exactly is it that we want to get out of this. And that will guide us you know, through all the steps from choosing who to collaborate with to how we want to promote it and then determining if it was a success. Yeah, I mean, it could be... A win could be, oh, this influencer talked about this product or posted about it. You know, it might not be sales related, but it could be just mm-hmm. my product was shown in a certain place or someone gave a great review about my service and talked about it. And you can use those things as testimonials or as featured in type of things for positioning your brand and putting on your website or putting somewhere. So those are all wins, too, if, if you're looking for that kind of thing. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, there's lots of different ways to get exposure and to measure it. Well, this has been such a fun conversation. Like I said in the beginning, collaborations, I think, are really just one of the most fun parts of a strategy because you can just go so many different directions with them. And there's so much that um, it can do for our brands and for, you know, other brands that we enjoy using ourselves. And so I think it can be a very authentic way of marketing ourselves. So tell us, where can people find you? The easiest place to find me is Backlabel Branding, like the back of a wine label. It's my website, backlabelbranding.com or Instagram at backlabelbranding. I also have a monthly newsletter that I usually share, which can also be found on my website. So those are the best places to find me. 
Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being here for this conversation. I really enjoyed it and I appreciate you being a guest. Thanks so much, Sunny. I really love this. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Marketer for Hire podcast. I hope you've gained valuable insights to help you delegate marketing so that you can confidently get out of the details. If you enjoyed the show, will you do me a favor? Will you hit the follow button and leave a review and a rating? And if you've heard something that you think will help another business owner, be sure to send them a link to the episode. I'd sure appreciate it. And most importantly, before you go, I just want to say that I know your time is so valuable as a business owner, and I truly appreciate you spending some of it with me today. Thank you, friends, and I'll see you next time.